You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. We haven't done this in two weeks. It's not going to be two weeks for you guys. You guys will be fine. Yeah, but it's been two weeks for us because my life was fucking crazy last week. We're also literally moving in the next, like, couple days. Yeah, literally. By the time you hear this, we will be in our new place. Yes. But right now, we are not on the strip in a hotel room. Mm Mm-hmm. With a massive jacuzzi in the middle of it, which oh, is yeah. bomb.com, and it's pretty fucking sweet. We're going to go chill on that later, but yes. we have a beautiful view of the strips. So we're sitting by the window. Everything's beautiful. Yeah, we can see the giant Ferris wheel. Mm-hmm. We can see Caesar's Palace. Yeah. It's really nice. There's a bunch of lights and stuff. Yeah. We had to wait a little bit for our hotel, so we actually had to, like, walk around a little bit. Yes, and I hit up an O2 bar, guys. So if you were wondering whether this is a bunch of fucking bullshit, I am here for you. I tried it. I paid for it. It is. It is bullshit. But they might rub your back. But, yeah, we needed a place to sit and watch the Pats. The Pats lose. And... I wanted a back row. Literally can't stop looking at this stupid O2 ba- thing. It's the O2 thing and the like fish that eat your feet skin. Oh yeah, that's weird too. Yeah, it's weird, but I want to try it. I, I want to try it because it's weird. You don't have to try it. I'm not going to make you. It's weird. Yeah, I know. I wonder what it feels like. Probably weird. I bet it tickles. It probably tickles. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> But anyways, so yeah, so we're in a fun hotel. We did a bunch of shoots, yeah, photo shoots, Halloween fucking stuff. Fucking swank shit. My birthday is in one hour. So let's get started because it's really late. Yes. So. <laughs> so I'm Brittany Petrino. I'm Martha Bartlett. And this is But, but First, Let's, let's talk, talk Nerdy. Clink. Actual clink. Actual clink. We're drinking beer. So, episode 28. Yes. That means Martha starts. She does. We are still going with this spookiness because it is still spooky when we are recording. Yeah, it's still October. Yeah. I don't so, know what to tell you about it. What are you doing today? So, today, I am actually doing the movie It Follows, um, which is a horror movie from 2014. So it's recent. I know. I know you probably know nothing about it. I was like, it. I've never even heard of it. Yeah. So in the last, I would say, ooh, six or seven years, horror has had kind of a resurgence, but like one or two films a year, where it's a one film that's like really fucking smart, and it actually is about more than just the scary thing on the screen. Gore. Yes, exactly. There's not a lot of gore in this really at all. It's more just, like, suspense and mm-hmm. anxiety, which they nail it to the fucking wall with. Um, but it also leans into some tropes, which are fun. It's been really fun to watch some of the newer horror movies, because you and I grew up in the years of Final Destination 5, 6, 7, 12. Like, uh, there are as many Final Destinations are there are land before times. <laughs> That's not true. Are you going to cry? 
Oh my god. <laughs> that first land before time is so sad. <laughs> Ugh, R.I.P. the dinosaurs. I love land before time. This is, I'm surprised about this. Not really, but like, I don't think we've ever talked about really? it. Really? Because I, I don't. Land before time. <laughs> yeah. I like Ducky a lot. Littlefoot, I want to smack him on the fucking nose. Mm. Like, you're so annoying. His parents died. Yeah, so did Batman's. And they're both annoying. I was going to say. Maybe. Oh, no. Batman is worse. Well, yeah, obviously. He's also a rich white dude. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, all the rich white dudes listening to our podcast. (laughs) Oh, yeah, all of our rich white dude followers. pay for us. Yeah, hey, uh, do something useful with your life and money. So, for my sources today, I used <laughs> Wikipedia, um, fandom, you know, the use. Yep. And then I also did an article by Kyle Buchanan, which is, it follows Spoiler Bomb, the director explains all those twists and shocks. Is he related to Bucky? Hey, maybe. A distant relative. Buchanan is his middle name, but I assume it's a family name. It probably Buchanan's is. Buchanan's a weird There's name. literally no way that you would have the middle name Buchanan <laughs> if it wasn't. That's impossible. Shit. For real. If I ever have a child. Pat Buchanan Barnes. <laughs> no. Pat? There's a Pat Buchanan. He's something. Like a preacher or something. I would never name my child Patrick. Yeah, because I knew 70 Patricks growing up in Marshfield, because every person was from Ireland. I was going to say, I'm definitely not Irish. I know. Clearly. Yo, your girl over here, very Irish. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's why I grew up in Marshfield, with all of the rest of the fucking Irish people. But you know what? Marshfield has beaches, and Irish people don't tan. Oh no, we all sunburn, which is why you'll see a thousand weird leather people at the beach there. (laughs) Yeah, because they should have used sunscreen a thousand years ago. (laughs) And now they're like, you look like a bag. You look like a fucking bag. It's horrible. Jesus. I don't know how we got here, why we got here. But anyways, you're going to tell us about this great movie. Yes, I am. So it follows. The main character is a girl named Jay, who is basically like early college. Um, and she's going on a date with her new boyfriend, Hugh. Murderer! Or my pig. <laughs> He's not the pig. He's technically not a murderer either. Technically. You know, no, he is he is 1,000% not a murderer. He's not a very good person, but that's fine. We're not there yet. The first scene you actually see before we meet Jay and Hugh is... Um, There's this girl who's just, you see her fucking running and she's in like kind of pajamas and she's just trying to get the fuck out of Dodge. She gets in a car and just drives and drives and drives. She ends up on a beach. And then the next scene you see is like her mangled body, but in the background. So they, uh, Jay and Hugh, um, she's going on a date with Hugh, who is not a pig, but... Who should be. Unfortunate. (laughs) They play this game, which is basically like, okay, if you just look around at everybody and pick somebody that you would trade places with, and then I will try to figure out who you would trade places with. So she, he does his and like, she figures it out. And he's, he wants, he's like, I want to be the kid. Cause he could just like do whatever the fuck he wants all the time. I'm like, yeah, that's fair. I'm here for that. And then he tries to f- figure out who she's picked once they go into the movie theater. 
he was like, okay, is it the, the girl in the back in the yellow dress? And she looks over her shoulder and there's, there's nobody fucking there. Like, mm-hmm. she's like, uh, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, the girl in the yellow dress, she's standing right there, like right next to that other guy. And like, she's like, no, I, I, I'm sorry. I just don't see it. And then he's like, let's get out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. Okay. Um, yeah, that ends that date. They go somewhere else. Later on, they have another date, and at the end of the date, they end up having sex in his car. How romantic. Always like, ugh, so many awkward angles. I know. They're just going to be uncomfortable. That's true. So, and it seems like pretty chill. They're just normal teen, early 20-year-olds mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and she's just kind of chilling and talking about stuff and lying in his car, and then all of a sudden, he reaches around her and he's got a rag and he chloroforms her. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit, 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 shit. And literally before this, there has been no sign that he has been weird. Except for the, like, I see this girl who isn't actually there. Did I say that this is going to be spoilers? Because it obviously <laughs> is. Well, you're talking about a movie. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> but just, you know, just for anybody else. She wakes up and she is tied to a wheelchair and they're in this like plant in like a parking garage type thing in the middle of nowhere and he kind of explains that she is basically going to be pursued by something an entity that she is the only person who can see it is her and it can take the appearance of any person like it can be any person it can be anyone there's no way for you to know and it will just follow you and he's like, I'm sorry, I passed it on to you. It's passed through sex. Somebody passed it to me. Yeah. So, yes, this is so literally it's an STD. This is literally the don't have sex in a horror movie or you'll die. Yes. It can take on any persona. It can do this and that. And, like, he's like, okay, and I, you need to sit here and see this because otherwise you're not going to fucking believe me. And why would you? As they're, like, standing there, he's he's standing, she's still tied to this fucking wheelchair. They see this weird naked woman walking to them, and she's got no shoes on, she's just walking, like, slowly plodding along. But slowly but surely keep walking and walking and walking towards them. And after he's basically like, okay, you see what that is, you just have to outrun it and then pass it along to somebody else, and that's all you can do. He uh, drives her home, kind of dumps her in the front yard, untied, but, like, she's pretty fucked up from all this, which is fair. Then he gets the fuck out of there. When he dumps her kind of on the front yard, her sister and their two friends are, like, hanging out in the front, so they come and they all call the cops. The next day, the police can't find the naked woman, and they can't find Hugh, who is living under a false identity in a place that he just rented. Seems like it's fucking bullshit. Yeah, she she spends a lot of time in bed. She goes to class and things like that, and it doesn't sound like, like, nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, one of the days when she is at school, she looks out the window and sees that there's an old woman in a hospital gown that is just walking slowly, like, straight to her. She's like, nope, 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 and no one else can see her. She talks to her friends, uh, so her sister is Kelly, and then her friends are Paul and Yara. She's like, 
I don't know what the fuck is going on. And they don't believe that anything is actually happening, Mm -hmm. but they're like, you're pretty fucked up about this. So we're all going to spend the night. It'll be fine. And then, so that night when they're all spending the night, uh, somebody smashes the kitchen window open. They're like, Paul, you're the boy. Go, go, go check it out. (laughs) And Paul investigates and sees no one. And inside the house, Jay actually sees that there is a random disheveled uh, half-naked woman who's like urinating and walking towards her. And she runs upstairs and all the others are like, what is happening? Yeah, because it's, you know, it's just, to them, nothing is happening. She's just losing her fucking brains. And when she gets up to the bedroom, another person enters the bedroom. A big, tall man. You don't really see much of him. And she just gets the fuck out of Dodge and scoots herself out the window and runs to a nearby playground. Her friends catch up with her and she's like, I have to fucking see Hugh. I have to talk to him because something is going on. Like, shit is going down and I don't know what to do and I need to talk to somebody who's actually dealt with this before. Now that I actually believe things are happening since things are actually happening. And they do end up finding Hugh. Uh, I guess his name was Jeff, actually. Weird. Weird that he picked Hugh. <laughs> From Jeff. Yeah. But what the fuck ever. So they they find his name and then they find an address. They go to Jeff's um, house and his mom answers the door. Basically, the naked woman that they saw at the first... Um, when she was tied to the wheelchair, yep. was his mom. Oh. Creepy. And then Jeff comes out, and they talk about things, and he says, basically, he had a one-night stand somewhere, and ever since then, that thing has been pursuing him, and the only way that you can get past it is to have sex with someone. But, so if the entity kills the person that you had sex with, then it just goes back down the line. Oh. Yeah, so it's got to keep going, or else it's not going to keep going. So if it kills her, it'll just go back to him? Yes. That's a bummer. It is a bummer. Yeah, and, like, he can still see, even though he's passed it on, he can still see the being, like, kind of around. He's very fucking freaked out, and he's just like, you have to pass it on, you're a girl, it should be easy, blah blah blah. This is the only way to do it. And as they're talking, somebody walks by and is like, can you, can you fucking see that person to everybody else? And they're like, yes. <laughs> so Greg, who is the guy who helped them find Hugh, who is actually Jeff. Greg is the one with the car. So he drives Jay and the rest of them all up to his family's lake house. Because while the entity follows you, it has to walk. It follows you on foot. It never runs, so, like, if you get far enough away, it'll take its time getting to you. So how's it going to cross water? I mean, it doesn't, it's not technically a person, so it probably doesn't have to breathe. So what if I went to, like, Japan? That's probably why they made the people who are in this movie teenagers. <laughs> they can't afford to really do anything. It's true. I'm like, you know how long it takes to fly to Japan? A long fucking time. <laughs> it's gonna take a real long time for you to walk yes, to Japan. Yes, it is. 
But yeah, so they go up to the lake house and they think they feel pretty chill for a little while. Um, Greg teaches Jay how to shoot a revolver and they have probably a day and some change where it's fine. And they're all sitting around in a circle and talking. And then all of a sudden you see Jay's hair like get lifted into the air, but nothing else is happening. And then she gets like pulled around and by it. And Paul goes to go like try and fight this, which he's a little baby. So he shouldn't do that. Don't do that. You're going to die and gets fucking thrown like way the fuck across everything onto the other side of the beach. And it's like, it's like he hits a wall and bounces off of it. And that's all you see. It's so fucking good. Uh, it's so scary. And while this is happening, they're trying to figure out if they can, like, shoot the thing. And Jay, like, runs away, runs into this little house. And the, or I guess it's probably, like, a little shack. And the entity kicks a hole in the fucking door. Okay, it doesn't seem like cover is, is gonna be It's helpful. not. Distance is what's helpful. Yes. Jay does shoot it in the head and it falls down, but then it recovers um, and attacks her, taking the form of a boy that lives next door to her. So she gets in Greg's car and drives and drives and drives and then crashes into a cornfield because she basically, like, looking over your shoulder trying to drive... You know, basic anxiety driving. Not basic anxiety driving. This is a lot more complicated than that. (laughs) Basic panic attack driving. Okay. There we go. They end up going to the hospital because Jay gets in a car accident. And she wakes up in the hospital with a broken arm. While she's in the hospital, she keeps kind of like... Because they, they talk about, like, oh, just passing it on and this and that. And it's like, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to do this to anybody. And then Greg, who is, like, you know, the cool guy with the car, she's like, it's fine. We can, just, we can just do it. It's fine. They apparently did it back in high school. So she's like, it wasn't even a big deal. Um, but, yeah, so they have sex in the hospital. Awkward. Does he know? Yes. But he doesn't believe her. Even though he was there when her hair got pulled up. So I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. And the next day, basically, Jay spends a lot of time in her house, like looking out the window and just like waiting. And Greg lives across the street, like over away. Um, And at one point she looks out and she sees that there is some sort of entity and it is actually Greg in the form of fucking Greg, walking to his house and jiggles the door. And when that doesn't work, it smashes a hole through the window and enters. And she tries to call him and then runs towards the house to see if she can do something, which is another teenage plan. You can't. Don't don't run towards the monster. Yeah, but yeah, she runs towards his house to try and find him, to try and get his attention. She's like, Greg! And then all of a sudden, he opens the door. His terrifying naked mother is the monster. Uh, Yeah, she's knocking on the door. He opens it because he thinks that it's Jay. And... (laughs) <laughs> and she launches herself at him like a like a fucking animal. Like a cat pounce. It's weird. 
Jay goes in to see if she can help at all, and it basically Greg's mom is fucking him to death. Ew. Yeah, it's gross. She's on top of him, and he is dead. Uh, and she's like, mm, I'm getting out of here. And she gets in a car and drives as far as she can and ends up spending the night literally on top of the car, just like sleeping there. She gets back home after freaking out about everything. It's like, we have to do something because I can't just pass this to someone. We have to figure out how to kill this. So the group's plan, not a great plan, is uh, there's this uh, swimming pool out in kind of the boonies, and they all bring big suitcases and backpacks filled with shitty old like electrical equipment, like toasters and hair dryers and things like that, and put it all around the edges of the pool and put Jay kind of in the pool so that they'll be able to see it move throughout the water. But the problem with that is, so once the entity comes in, and it in this at this point it is taking the appearance of Jay's dad, it doesn't get in the water. Instead, it picks up some of those big fucking electronics, and it chucks them at her. So, like, <laughs> yeah. And not only does it not electrify the entire pool because that's not really how that was going to work. It's different with a bathtub. But the bathtub is this big. Exactly. But also, she ends up getting hit by a lot of electric things that are just because he's just fucking chucking them at it. That's yeah. hilarious. And uh Paul has the gun at this point. Where they're like, okay, we're going to do something about this. And he is trying to fire at this thing. And he's like, just keep pointing at it. And she's like, pointing at it when it moves, but also getting things thrown at her. It's fucked up. Um, shoot where the things are magically getting lifted and being chucked at her. Basically, you're going to have to nail this buddy in the head for it to do anything. So... But that doesn't even do anything. Hmm? She already shot it in the head. Well, it stopped it for a sec, but no, exactly. This is all, it's very clearly plans made by teenagers <laughs> in early 20s. And like the the writer, let's electrocute this physical being. <laughs> the writer was like, yeah, it's a bad plan. I know it's a bad plan. That's the point. I wrote it that way. Because it's a bunch of fucking teenagers trying to save their lives. And they're not doing very good because everything they do is bad. True. Sorry, teenagers. I know. They must be, what, 19? Yeah, 19, maybe 20. Ugh, boy. Right. Um, so, yeah, while Paul is trying to hit this thing, he actually ends up shooting Yara because he's shooting in one direction and she's just in the background. Good lord. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the problem with shooting something that you can't actually see. The other problem with shooting the thing you can't actually see is that it doesn't actually fucking do anything. So I'm glad he did so many good things. But yeah, so Kelly has the like smart thought to throw a sheet over it. And at the point where she throws the sheet over it, it gets into the water and it starts to pull Jay. She's trying to get out of the pool. And Paul shoots it in the head and basically... A lot of blood comes out. Like, it looks like the whole fucking pool is filled with blood. But also, 
literally no one sees this except for Jay. So Jay's freaking the shit out, and they're like, did we do it? Did we do anything? Is everything okay? Basically, at this point, they're like, we gotta cut our losses. This didn't work. I accidentally shot her friend, and she has to go to the fucking hospital. We need to go. Yeah. (laughs) We need to go. Yep. They get the fuck out of Dodge, but this didn't solve the problem. So, finally, at the end, Jay and Paul end up having sex. Paul has been like, I'll do it. It's fine. She's like, "Mm, mm, no. You know. You know the type. But yeah, so they do end up having sex. And then later that night, Paul drives through the um, town and you see him passing sex workers, but you don't actually see him like talking to anybody. So it's kind of left up to you whether that's how that ends or not. However, at the very end, you do see Jay and Paul walking down the street and they're holding hands, and in the background, there is a figure walking behind them that's just slowly plodding along. So, um, the writer, uh, director of the movie, David Robert Mitchell, talked about it, and he was like, I really wanted to make it not so much a slasher movie, not something that's super violent, but, um, and here is a quote, I was drawn to the movie as a way of making a film about dread and anxiety. I think that a certain amount of gore can put people in the headspace to feel that, but I think it's more about the feeling of waiting for something. You understand how terrible things can get, and you don't know when it's going to happen, or how, or where. And that is exactly the feeling you get the entire time of It Follows. So, yeah, that is It Follows, uh, 2014. Definitely fucking watch it, and then hit us up so that I can hear your opinions on your it. Because STD curses. Yeah. Yes, this monster is passed through sex. Bad times. Weird. But yeah, Ugh. it was, and it's such a like good mindfuck because of course you've got the like sex is don't have sex in horror movies. We had that conversation. Scream. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of also the one of those things where it's like everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot most of people. people have you know, and it, it doesn't even have to be random sex. No, like just, she thought she was having sex. She with thought she was like, having a, new like a relationship. Yeah. sex. Yeah, you can't trust anybody. And exactly, and you don't need random STD uh, no. curse monsters to not trust anybody. Hugh could have been a murderer, he, or he could have just ended up being Jeff. I mean, <laughs> which is what he was. <laughs> Hugh, what the Hugh. fuck? He's super cute pig mm. on the island. Yeah, so Hugh, the pig that we're talking about, is from Animal Crossing. The neighbor. I'll post a fucking Little picture. Blue pig. He's a good baby. Up. He would never sleep with you to pass a monster to you. So cute. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. You know how Disney kind of like puts films on an assembly line, but you know that when you're getting something from Pixar because it takes so long to craft, that there's a lot of care put into it. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week. Your favorite podcast app and right here on the ESO Network.
<laughs> so, today I am going to talk about Supernatural. Oh, shit! Oh! I'm excited. Also, <laughs> I really like how I plug Chris Evans in this. <laughs> so oh, Okay. I'm so. unhappy already. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Let's All right. do this. Talk about Supernatural and I have my sources, uh, Wikipedia, fandom. They have like their own huge oh, yeah. fandom. I'm not yep. surprised by that literally um, at all. And then I actually watched a whole lot of Supernatural. Oh, I got through like seasons one through three while I was watching Pops. That's mostly what I was watching. Oh, huh. Oh, okay. I did watch It Follows as well. I actually had to pay for the rent, and I was like, I'm rude. I'm fucking... And then literally, the next day, Amazon was like, it's on sale because horror movies! And I was like, eat my butt! <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's, you should be like, um, excuse me. Hi, I would like however much change I would get back for <laughs> Can this. I please have my 79 cents back? <laughs> <laughs> it's important. <laughs> Shit. Okay, so Supernatural is an American television series created by Eric Kripke. Kripke, you are correct. Damn. Um, and it was first broadcasted September thirteenth, two thousand five, on shit. the WB. It was oh! Still the WB back then, <laughs> right? Right. And then it became part of the CW. CW. Right. So it stars Jared Padalecki as uh, Sam Winchester and Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester. Uh, the series follows the two brothers as they hunt demons, ghosts, monsters, and other supernatural beings. I bet they could have figured out how to get rid of this bitch in this movie. Probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, the series is produced. But they'd have to fuck the person in order to see her. Dean would be all about that. That's true. I feel you, Dean. Dean will be like, I will take one for the team. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming she's hot because it's in a movie. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yep. Uh, The series is produced by Warner Brothers Television in association with Wonderland Sound and Vision. So the series is uh, filmed in Vancouver. Ah, they're very sorry about things. Yep, yep. It was in development for nearly 10 years. And as creator Kripke spent several years unsuccessfully pitching it, eventually the pilot was viewed by an <laughs> estimated 5.69 million viewers. Oh, damn. And the rating of the first four episodes promoted the WB to pick up the series for a full season. Originally planned to only be a, a series for three seasons, but then expanded to five. This fifth season <laughs> concluded the series' main storyline, and Kripke departed um, as uh, the series' showrunner at that point. Oh. The series has been continued for ten more seasons somehow <laughs> with new showrunners, including Sarah Gamble. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> Jeremy Carver, Robert Singer, and Andrew Dobb. Uh, with its 11th season, Supernatural became the longest-running American live-action fantasy TV series. Oh, well. I was just going to say, I love it when a, a series knows exactly when they're going to stop, and then actually does it. 
And I, it was actually ended up being good that it ended up being longer than three seasons. Because you remember when, um, like, fucking Hollywood writers went on, like, yes. revolt? Yes. So season three is actually only, like, 18 episodes long because it was during that year. Oh. So it was cut short. And so it's a little... Uh, season three is one of my favorite seasons. But it's I cut short. I remember liking yeah. the first chunk of them. One through five is mm-hmm. great. That's what I watch. Yeah. Well, and I'm a big fan of, like, A Monster of the Week. That is so, my yeah. jam and a half. The series was renewed for a 15th and final season to consist of 20 episodes, which premiered on October 10th, 2019. The series was initially set to conclude in May 2020, but on hiatus because COVID sucks uh, everything. And the season resumed airing October 8th, 2020, and it will end on November 19th, which is only a couple weeks from when this gets dropped. So good timing. Didn't plan it, but good timing. She definitely played it. I didn't at all. I I, I, I thought it finished and already finished, but I didn't realize <laughs> that it didn't make it because of COVID. COVID. I was big into Supernatural like 10 years ago, and I started watching when they were on season five. I caught up to it when they started season six and then stopped watching after season six because season six wasn't really that good. As stated earlier, it was supposed to finish up after season five, and you could tell they didn't really know where to go after that because they don't really know. Like, they oh, essentially there defeated isn't the any devil. Story, but they defeated the devil in season five. Where do you go from that? We should go to different religions, but I'm sure they just stayed with Christianity, the most boring religion of all of them. <laughs> so yeah, I watched six seasons and then I stopped. Yeah. Okay. The plot, like I was saying, for the first five seasons were pretty good, but the first two seasons were mostly Monster of the Week episodes, yes! and those are my favorite. Rewatching, Ugh. yes, so rewatching the past, oh. I didn't get through all five, I got through four, the three of them. Um, I found that I actually very, it cared very little for the plot. I don't care. Episodes. Yeah, I want Monster of the Week, yes. Okay, so, there's one episode where Dean is afraid of going on a plane. In the first yes, season. in the first season. Yep. So, I watched that with Gina at her house, and then was like, I'm afraid. It gave me the fucking creeps, and it's very dark, and everything's the worst. So, we watched an episode of South Park so that I could chill out. And then I was like, hey, Sam. I texted Sam. Hey, Sam, could you put the lights on just so that it's not super creepy when I get home? And, of course, when I get home, there are no, no lights of on. Course. The outside light is also not on. What a dick. And, you want to turn it off. Oh, yeah. No, he turned all of the lights off. And, of course, I opened the door. He's standing there with a machete in a gas mask. What a dick. I'm like, first of all, you're not allowed to scare anyone because you can't even walk past haunted houses. <laughs> I got scream? so much fun. Oh, yes. Did your parents get bit very mad they at They got woken up and everybody had, well, I would love to say that they were more mad at him. Mom probably was. Your father would probably thought it was hilarious. I'm sure he fucking applauded. <laughs> yeah. Listener Martha's dad. <laughs> Listener bud. How dare. How <laughs> fucking could, dare. I could see you being like, Sam. <laughs> and then and then Dibby would look at you and you'd be like Sam don't do that don't do that for shame but set up a camera next time yeah, I would like to watch this <laughs> you could have woken me up we could have had two people with machetes <laughs> shit all 
right. So actually, it's really surprising that I was able to watch yeah. Supernatural the way because I don't like. You're not a horror things. person. No. It was, there um, was some very scary episodes. Yeah. So I don't know if it was like there was always usually a way in Supernatural to defeat whatever the mm-hmm. bad thing was. Um, that gives you like the false comfort or whatever. Um, I know uh, I would. Didn't you walk around with salt for a little while? Yes. So. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and I had Nerd. a pentagram for a while. <laughs> um, because that kept you safe and because paganism isn't a devil's craft, everyone. <laughs> Anyways. I remember when I first started watching it, like, it would, at night, sometimes I would get a little freaked out, but... Mm. If it wasn't very late at night, I probably would have been okay. Yeah. And if my brother wasn't a terrible it's fucking dick. Asshole, yeah. That's it. That was the first episode with the demon, um, and the, the fucking, and instead of it being smoky, it was almost, like, grainy. Yeah. It became a lot more smoky as they went on and figured themselves out Um, that episode. Yeah. So today I'm going to be talking about a few of my favorite uh, episodes of the Monster of the Weeks and all the, some of the different myths, legends, and the spooky creatures that are found in them. I have three episodes and I'm just going to go in the order that they aired. But it actually ends up working out because the last one I'm talking about is probably one of the, my the top three saddest episodes of Supernatural, and I cried rewatching it. <laughs> <laughs> That's who I am. Yeah. Uh, most of the episodes that I like are usually because of the the girl that's mm-hmm. involved in them, but. I think I've also found out that I've been a murder buff for longer than I. Oh ho! Let myself believe I was. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's one of those things where you look back and you're like, oh. I've been so creepy for so long. <laughs> Why have I been so into this? So, first episode I'm going to talk about is Season 1, Episode 19, Providence. Scene opens up on a young couple putting up a creepy-ass painting on their mantle. They're very rich, you can tell. They flirt for a minute, the woman heads upstairs, and a shadowy figure enters then the man says, before the woman runs upstairs, let me just set the alarm and lock the doors. I'll be right up. So after she goes upstairs and that figure walks in, he ends up walking into the room, finds his wife dead and basically beheaded. And then he is also killed. Beheaded. That's a bad time. Yeah. Not like completely, but a pretty good uh, whatever. cut. If you're the like halfway there, that's yeah. bad. Uh, so enter our boys. They arrive in upstate New York, where Mark and Anne Teleska, the couple just mentioned, were found dead in a locked house in the latest in a series of murders over a number of decades in the same area, according to the research from John's journal. John's their dad. Right. They pop. 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 Uh, <laughs> yes. pop. 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 No, that's horrible. Nope. <laughs> so they visit the Teleska's home, but there's no sign. Oh, if we're talking about spoilers, spoilers, <laughs> but this episode is 15 years old, so go fuck yourself. <laughs> they visit the Teleska home, and there's no sign of any supernatural activity, and all of the furnishings have actually been taken from the house and to an auction house, so they decide to go check it out in case the spirit has it, has attached itself onto an object as opposed to 
a, a place or a place or yeah. a corpse or anything like that. All of that. Ugh. Yep. They turn up at the auction house where the owner, Daniel Blake, tries to get them to leave. Well, you're clearly not rich. Clearly. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Me well, at they, this fucking mall and, here. And Dean's like cramming the like cocktail wieners oh, in his face. no. They managed to get him to leave for a couple of minutes to be like, we are on the guest list. Go check. They speak to his daughter, Sarah Blake, who also works at the auction house, and she confirms that the Teleska estate is being auctioned. She's super pretty. She kind of looks like Megan Fox. Oh. Yeah, she's super pretty. Huh. Before she can uh, tell them anymore, the, her father, having discovered that Sam and Dean are not on the guest list, is like, you need to leave. Dean crammed a few more meaners in like, his Let mouth. me just put a bunch of these in my pocket for a second. <laughs> and they leave. If you look over there, and you're just like, how many things can I grab while you're looking away from me? Uh, At least two handfuls. <laughs> so Dean thinks Sarah showed some interest in Sam and suggests that he takes her on a date in order to get, the, to get more information. So Sam is like, so... For you, I know. Uh, this isn't, this is more plot heavy, and I always like Sam was, I yeah. like boys, I like Sam better. I'm happy with either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am also happy with yes. either. So this is episode 19, and this is like the first episode yeah. where Sam shows like any interest in, in somebody someone else who's not, who isn't Jessica. Yes. And I think it's around like six months or something later that from when Jessica died. So he goes on a date with Sarah. Sarah reveals that she hasn't been on a date since her mother died unexpectedly a year ago, which Sam can relate to because of Jessica. Mm-hmm. And they do click, and Sarah ends up getting Sam copies of the provenances of the items at the Teleska house. Uh, the name of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> All comes back. Full so. so Dean finds the portrait of the Isaiah Merchant family painted in 1910 has been bought by the Telesca the same night of their murder. And all of the others who had owned it had also been killed in mysterious ways. Don't this buy is rich creepy, people portraits. I was say, this is the creepy portrait that they were hanging uh, uh, above their mantle. It's why not are a you buying? Of you. I was gonna say, why are you buying a portrait of another family and hanging it on your mantle? Just draw mustaches on all of them. It's weird. Actually, if so, if I went into somebody's house and they had a portrait of somebody else's family, but they all had mustaches drawn on them, I would immediately like that person. But only if they had mustaches. Only. Yep. Yeah. So, like devil horns. <laughs> after dark, Sam and Dean return to the auction house and they burn the painting. The next day, they go back to the auction house to double check their work. And so Sam can say goodbye to Sarah and they're shocked to find that painting is still there and un- unharmed. This is a funny scene because they walk by holding it <laughs> and Jared Pedalecki, I don't know if he does it on purpose. Like, it's so, and he's like, oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> the actress Sarah's like, what? He's like, that painting is so good. <laughs> it's like so overreacting. Like, the whole scene, you're like, what just happened? <laughs> oh, no. My secondhand embarrassment. <laughs> uh, I think so, I have, and harder, I like- honestly, harder secondhand embarrassment than firsthand embarrassment. <laughs> And that's, there was a few scenes that I was watching, rewatching that I like, like that one that I like forgot happened and like wasn't super paying attention. And then like, you hear it and you're like, and just like, I laugh, because you laugh, I'm like, oh my God, I forgot that was a thing and it's so stupid. <laughs> 
how you started a thousand years ago? Like this. <laughs> All right. They, so Sam's like, never mind, I guess we're staying, because that painting is still a thing. Shoop. So they go to the local library, and they find out that Isaiah Merchant was accused of killing his wife, two sons, and daughters. Yup. One of my favorite episodes of Supernatural is about a family annihilator. Oh my god. <laughs> I have a problem. Yeah. It's fine. You have a type for murderers. Why? Which I can't say anything because I love a good, terrible cult where everyone dies. <laughs> but, and that's a terrible, specific thing to love, too. Okay, continue. Uh, so, back at the motel, Sam notices that in the picture of the painting in the old book, Isaiah is staring straight ahead. And in the painting now, he's looking down to the right towards the girl. After Dean does some teasing about how Sam clearly likes Sarah, he ends up calling Sarah up to see if they can get a view of that painting again, pretending that they're interested in buying it. I really love ugly paintings. (laughs) But what do you think? (laughs) Sarah tells him that even though she didn't want her dad to, he sold it to a older woman named Evelyn because she was going to pay him a lot of money. Evelyn is another old lady name that's really cute that can be like Um, so the boys rush over to the house just as Sarah arrives but they find Evelyn already dead with her throat slashed bad times yep somebody else would have put this together before now people are so dumb yep I think it's because usually the painting then ends up going in like stock somewhere for a really long Mm -hmm. time so it's like years and years and years apart and the only reason they have it is because their father is a fucking crazy person who links things like that together but for just like normal people the average person no, no. Especially, but if you're like a especially big fucking hyper nerd yeah. about this but especially shit. since it's like the I think the painting what 1910 like there's no like unless you go and look in newspaper records yeah. there's no like online database that's like this uh, murder happens every time this painting is somewhere oh you know <laughs> I love that database the like murder painting <laughs> database <laughs> actually that would be so fucking cool all right. So they alert the police and Sarah and the boys return back to the motel where they explain to her that the painting is haunted. Despite being freaked out, Sarah resolves to help them because uh, Evelyn was her friend. So takes it pretty well and they go back to Evelyn's house and they examine the painting and they notice more features in the painting have changed. Yeah. Amongst other things, there is now a mausoleum in the picture with the name Merchant on it. They track down the mausoleum where the family, where all the family's cremated remains are housed. However, Isaiah Merchant is not there. Fuck. But while they're there, they do note some of the items there, like some creepy ass doll and Sarah and like the boys that, and the viewers that back in the day that they actually used to take the like girls' hair and yep. make dolls with yes. their hair. Yeah, in the image of them, which is fucking creepy. Horrible. So, Dean ends up finding um, that Isaiah was buried in some random grave and goes to salt and burn the corpse. Later, the three of them return to also burn the painting as a precaution because they always want to make sure they double and triple check their work when they're dealing with murdering spirits. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Sam and Sarah end up getting trapped inside Emmeline's house and is attacked by the spirit of, wait for it, Chris Evans! 
<laughs> I'm dead. That was the end of me. You have to do the rest of this by yourself. So, of course, I... Just kidding, it wasn't Chris Evans. I just needed to mention him. I told you I was really excited about how I, I really wanted him. it to be the ghost of Chris Evans. You could have just lied to me, but... Can you imagine if it really was Chris Evans? He's... I'm like, I, you're definitely too famous to just be the ghost in one episode. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, not in 2005. You don't even have to be that famous to be too famous to be just a ghost it's in your episode. <laughs> if you've been in a movie, you can't be. He's like, I want to be a ghost in just one episode. That's cool, right? I just want to be a little ghost, but literally that's a little bit. That would be one. me if I had money. I would be like, <laughs> I would like to be killed in your horror movie. <laughs> I'm really good at screaming and tripping. <laughs> I know both of those things are really, like, if you, if I was in the 50s, I would have been a fucking scream queen because I'm good at both of those things and I'm also cute. So, that's all you had to do. Can you scream really well? Yes. Are you good at falling down? I do it all the time by accident. So, yes. Oh, shit. Wasn't Chris Evans. Boo. But it was... The spirit of Melanie Merchant, the little girl in the photo. Uh, it wasn't the dad. Uh, so, so they salted and burned the wrong grave? All the family was cremated, so uh, now they're like, except for the father, because they thought he murdered everyone, and they were like, shame. So the father was looking towards her in the portrait. Yes. But now that he salted and burned his but Dean salted and burned his bones, she is able to like leave like leave and have more power oh. than just like a little because he was sort of restraining well, her. Well we're gonna fuck it up so Jesus. Yeah. Not typical family annihilator story, but it's fine. You know, you can show it annihilators. It's fine. Um, Did she annihilate the family? Yeah. It's still the same. She was adopted. Whatever. So they're like, shit. Wrong. Not him. Sarah and Sam are trapped in the house being attacked by this stupid little girl. <laughs> Dean's like, shit. Biting their ankles. You know, essentially. Dean's like, fuck, I need to figure out what. how are we going to... She's already cremated. What the fuck is keeping her here? And then they remember that creepy-ass doll and her hair. Human remains. Ew. Yep. Just like bones or anything else. Cremate as much of me as you possibly can. And then blow all the ashes in bigots' faces. Yep. (laughs) Yep. That's my dream. Martha's left boob! (laughs) (laughs) It's all on my face! So, Dean flies back to the the cemetery. (laughs) That's another scene where he's, like, trying to break the, the plastic with his gun, but with, like, the butt of his gun, and he goes to, like, run out to find something to actually break it, and he's like, Dean, use your fucking head. Loading gun in your hand. Shoot the thing. <laughs> oh no! So he gets it out, and he just in time burns uh, the hair, which dispels her spirit. And now there's no more haunted painting, or creepy fucking doll, or creepy fucking murdering orphan girl. Don't give anyone a creepy doll. Just don't do it. Why? Just give them like soft cat things. 
no one needs like a child to be pretending to be a mom because that's fucking creepy always. So uh, back at the auction house, Sarah orders the painting to be burned and says farewell to Sam and Dean. Sarah tries to point out to Sam that he's not cursed and that everyone he cares about won't die because, hey, she is alive. He smiles at her and turns to leave. She closes the door, clearly disappointed. Second later, there was a knock. She opens it. It's Sam. And he kisses her. And this was Dean's in the background that's like, <laughs> that's my wife. <laughs> Essentially. That's fair. Very older sibling feels. Yep. Uh, that was also another one of my big takeaways from Supernatural because I have a younger brother, Sammy, that I'm very overprotective of, even though he's taller than me. Sam is also taller than Dean. Yeah. That was one of the, my first favorite episodes. Fun, creepy, nice little twist. I really like Sarah. Um, and a good turning point for Sam. So now we're going to jump to season two. Probably my favorite season. Next to three's really good too, but two has some of the best, like, one off episodes. Season two is where we get to meet Joe, who is one of my favorites. We also meet the Crossroads Demon, another one of my favorites. And there's some great characters in it. Ruby doesn't come till three, who I love. I love Ruby in season three when she's Katie Cassidy. Don't like her when she's Genevieve, whatever her name is, who is actually um, Jared Padalecki's wife. And I love Katie Cassidy. She's so pretty. What else is she in? She is in, um, I think she was in Arrow. She was Black Canary, not the, not the, like, main first one, like the younger sister. Oh, okay. The yeah. younger one. Mm-hmm. And she was I in... I was here for Jay Black Canary, obviously. Um, and she was in <laughs> the remake of When a Stranger Calls. Oh, um, oh my god. Yeah. I own that movie. You? Yeah, because Katie Cassidy was in it. That's so funny. So that was uh, after I watched, like, all the Supernatural stuff when I was a little more courageous. That makes sense. And I never babysat, so I don't fuck. Yeah, so it doesn't fucking matter. We also don't have home phones. No. We don't. And I'd be like, bitch, I have a fucking taser. Let's go. If you call from inside the house, you're just on a cell phone (laughs) also. And that's not cool anymore. Like, it's not... It's not... I'm not afraid... All right, so next up, we're going to talk about episode six of season two, No Exit. This episode opens in an apartment building. The lights are flickering and scratching is heard in the walls. A girl is on the phone complaining about the lights flickering. She sits on the couch and she notices drops of black tar-like substance on the coffee table falling from the ceiling. She hears scratching become louder and she gets up, walks towards the other side of the room. She sees some more of that tar substance oozing out of the light switch and dripping down the side of the wall. Looking closely into the screw hole of the switch, a man's eye pops out. She screams and then the screen goes black. And, or the supernatural title pops up because it's... Does this eye pop out of... No, but she can see oh, it. Oh, okay. It doesn't pop through, does it? No, that but makes it's, sense. Like, behind it. But I immediately, that's... Weird Beetlejuice going on? Yeah. <laughs> or any cartoon where you're seeing something yeah. hot. Um, Ooga. 
Sidebar, Joe is the main guest in this episode, okay. and we're introduced to her earlier in the season. Uh, she's the daughter of a woman named Ellen, and her father, who is a friend of Sam and Dean's father, was also a hunter who has passed away. Mm-hmm. Ellen owns a bar. Which she's is a, a big, boss. She's a fucking boss-ass bitch. She uh, owns a bar and where a lot, it's basically a hunter hangout, and Joe's a bartender there with her mom, and then there was that super smart but very hickish-like guy, Ash. Right. Um, oh my god, I, I forgot about that. He's actually, so, sidebar, <laughs> when I went to my Supernatural convention I went to a million years ago, they do like a karaoke night and a lot of them will go up there mm-hmm. and... I went up with all my friends, and he was on the stage. He was there with a couple of the, with some of the other people, and totally got distracted. Like they like a karaoke like started because he was wearing a Superman shirt, and we started talking about comics. And then I was like, "Oh, he was like, oh, we're supposed to do a thing." <laughs> oh right, this song, is this started. thing, right? Like, but have you thought about this thing? Also, <laughs> isn't this much more interesting? And also something that I'm better at. And more comfortable with. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, since you don't have a podcast doing karaoke. No one should. So Sam and Dean are outside of the roadhouse, which is the bar, making jokes. Right. About heading to L.A. to investigate the disappearance of Katie Holmes, who's been kidnapped by an evil cult. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was funny. I love an evil cult. I know. And it's a funny Katie Holmes and Tom Cruise Oh, no. I forgot about Katie Holmes, period. End of story. Sorry, In Katie Holmes. Yeah. I don't want to wait for a lot to get over. Okay, maybe we do have a karaoke podcast. <laughs> we only do as much that we won't be sued for. And also, it's funny, and it's always a good choice that would it's be true. a banger at it's true. karaoke, except for possibly this one. Because as we know, I did it for your birthday to be a bitch, and it was awful. Oh, yeah. She got two babies. <laughs> I forgot we did karaoke last year. <laughs> okay. Um, as they're getting into the car, they can hear screaming and yelling coming from inside the roadhouse. So they go in, and Joe and Ellen are arguing over whether or not Joe should be allowed to go on a hunt by herself. Phone rings, Ellen answers it, and while she does that, Joe shows Sam and Dean the case on the death of the girl in Philadelphia apartments three days ago. She tells them that over the past 80 years, six women have disappeared from the same building, all young blondes. The murders hmm. only occur every uh, once every decade or two, so the cops never eyeball the pattern. Sounds like the murderer is a pervert <laughs> and probably a ghost or something. Dean asks if Ash put the case together, and Joe says she's a, she did it herself. Ellen tells the boys if they like it so damn much, then, then they can take it, because Joanna Beth does not get to go. The boys take the case, and they sneak into the girls' apartment. They scan the room with their EMF uh, meter thing. Oh, hello, though. And Sam picks up some high signals as he pans over the light switch, and he notices the tar-like substance and recognizes it as ectoplasm. Sam says he's only seen this stuff once or twice, and in order to make it, you have to be one majorly pissed off spirit. There's something strange. Who are you going to call? Sam and Dean Winchester! I'm probably not going to call anybody. I'm probably just going to shit my pants and cry. That's really more my jam. <laughs> 
Things that I'm better at. <laughs> Crying. Things that I'm not super great at. Making phone calls, especially when I need something. <laughs> Ugh. So as the boys start walking down the hall, they hear voices and hide behind the corner since they broke into the apartment to be there. <laughs> However, as the voices get closer, they realize that it's Joe talking to the building manager about renting the apartment. Oh. They So Dean pops out being like, what the fuck? And Joe puts his arm around her arm around Dean saying that he is her boyfriend and that they need a fresh new start and they want to rent the apartment. Dean goes along with it uh, saying, yeah, it was great. And Joe opens up her purse and hands a giant stack of bills to the manager in exchange for the key. Gee whiz. <laughs> you probably could have bribed him for way less. <laughs> probably. Yeah. It was like a wad. It was like fucking hell. Hopefully the inside of that is one. <laughs> no, it's only the top couple of bills are twenty. Literally, that's the way to do it. Yep. So Sam and Dean are loading up their weapons, and Dean asks Joe if her mom knows she's here. Joe says that she left a note saying that she was in Vegas, and that she got asked to lay a credit card trail all the way to the casinos. My God. Yep. Dean's phone rings, and it's Alan wanting to know if Joe's with them, and against his better judgment, he covers for her and tells Alan that Joe isn't there. Never seen her. <laughs> Who? What? <laughs> I don't know a Joe. I know a Joe, but it's a dude. It's a different type of Joe. <laughs> Like coffee? Are we talking about coffee? I'm gonna push you off this fucking couch, you fucking butt. <laughs> so, they're going over the building's history. Joe informs him that the building was originally built in 1924 as a warehouse and then turned into an apartment complex a few years ago. Before that, there was nothing. There was no violent deaths reported in the past 82 years or anything like that in the area. Sam thinks that it could be a cursed object that was uh, that has brought the spirit along, so they decide to scan every area of the building to see if they can find anything. Joe's like, hey, let's split up. And Dean's like, hell fucking no, you're with me this whole time. Have you and, seen Scooby-Doo? And not only have you seen Scooby-Doo, have you seen your mother? If something happens to you, your mother will kill me, and I'm scared of her. Fair. Fair. <laughs> and I think he basically, along the lines, is like, Joe's like, are you, are you scared of my mom? And he's like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> so Dean and Joe are searching the first two floors, and they're arguing about the hunt and shit. Joe says that using herself as bait will be the quickest way to catch the spirit once nope. they... <laughs> and once again, Dean's like, hell to the now. I'll just wear a dumb one. <laughs> and then at that moment, Joe finally confronts Dean about his attitude towards her and that she thinks that he's... And that she is tired of his chauvinistic crap, thinking women can't do the job, but Dean says he doesn't care if it's a woman or not. He doesn't have, want to deal with amateurs that have no experience. Oof, okay, that's probably not Which right is 100% true, though. I mean, fair, but, like, there probably was a way to deal with that with more. It's Joe and Dean. There is absolutely no better way to deal with that. I was gonna say, more tact. That makes sense. That's fair. Ah, mistakes. <laughs> so, they continue walking down the hall. Joe uh, stops at the corner and starts, like, scanning an area and the, With the lol you know and and the camera pans down to a vent and we see gray gushy fingers extending out through the vent gushy so, gushy yeah they're like swampy Ew. <laughs> oh my god that's such a terrible description i get it but i really hate it <laughs> 
As Joe turns around, the fingers disappear, but Dean suddenly sells something that he recognizes but can't quite figure out. Uh, meanwhile, Joe picks up high signals uh, as she scans the vent, so Dean unscrews the vent and reaches in, hoping to find something, and ends up pulling out a lock of blonde hair attached to some scalp. Ew. Ugh, I'm not going to watch this episode. I'm going <laughs> to skip it because it sounds icky. <laughs> Gushy fingers and scalp <laughs> nonsense. So, next Blah. scene... Some blonde walks into the apartment later that that evening, uh, reading a letter from the mail. Drops of ectoplasm fall from the ceiling, and the lights start to flicker, and then she looks up at the ceiling and sees the walls starting to shred apart. She rushes to the phone, only to get static. She tries the front door, but it won't open. Then as she turns around towards the wall, she sees a hand coming through the vent. It grabs her by the leg and pulls her in. No, thank you. Next morning, Dean is woken up to the sound of sirens outside. Joe's been awake for hours or uh, been reviewing all the information. Sam walks in with a whole bunch of coffee. With a cup of Joe. I fucking hate you. Also, I... <laughs> and is like, hey, Joe. The girl, another girl named Teresa Ellis, apartment 2F, disappeared. That's why there's a bunch of sirens outside. Explains that there were cracks all over the wall and ceiling, and that there was ectoplasm too. Joe points out that when looking at a picture, that the area that the building is in next door used to be a prison, and calls up Ash to get some information. He digs up that it was Moya Mensing Prison, built in 1835 and torn down in 1963. They executed people by hanging them in the empty field next door. Which is where the building now is. Uh, so Ash emails Sam a list of every known ex, everyone that was, had been known to be executed in that field, and it was a total of 157 names. Too many. One of the names on the list is indeed Herman Webster Muggett. Muggett Holmes. <gasps> Shit. <laughs> I actually. Oh. Things I don't take. Can you say that name again? <laughs> Herman Webster Mudget Mud Get with two T's. Mudget, I would assume. Oh my god, that's a good one. So they find out Holmes was executed at the prison on May seventh, eighteen ninety six. My birthday. <laughs> You're right, and that was the actual day that he was. That was the actual execution day for H.H. Holmes. Wait, so the villain in this is H.H. Holmes? The term "multi murderer" was used to describe him, and yeah. he was America's first serial killer before anyone knew what a serial killer was. He confessed to 27 murders, but some put the death toll over a hundred. His victim flavor of choice was a blonde woman, and he used chloroform to kill them, or to, well, to drug them, and then he would kill them, which is what Dean smelled in the hallway last night. Damn. Joe says that they should find his bones, salt them, and burn them. Sam says that's not going to be so easy because his bar- though his body was buried in town, it was encased in several tons of concrete because Holmes was worried that and didn't want anyone mutilating his corpse because that's what he did. To all of his victims. That's what he fucking deserved. Yep. This is actually surprisingly pretty close to being pretty accurate for being just an angsty drama TV show based on supernatural shit. So, 
Sam also points out that Holmes built an apartment building in Chicago, which came to be known as the Murder Castle. The whole place was a death factory, secret chambers, trap doors, acid vats, quicklime uh, pits. He built these chambers inside the walls, locking the victim inside for days, keeping them alive until he didn't want them to be alive anymore. Because he was awful. Super fucked up. Super fucked up. Oh my god, I can't believe they have an episode about him. <laughs> so the three of them are like, she could be somewhere in here then. Yeah. Somewhere in the walls or somewhere leading from the walls down to something. So they basically start breaking through the dry uh, drywall and searching in inside the walls for any signs of Teresa. So Dean and Joe come across a path that's too narrow for Dean to get through, but Joe can fit because she's this big. And she... So she continues down the path on her own. She follows the path to the north wall and heads down an air duct on the lower level. Dean's like, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like, just meet me there. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and... Looking at the walls, Joe sees more of the ectoplasm seeping through the bricks, still on the phone with Dean. He hears her screaming, and a few seconds later, it cuts out, so Dean rushes to the next floor, hammers through the drywall, so now this apartment complex just has a massive hole in it in the middle of the hallway. And he finds her cell phone, but he doesn't find her. And to date this even more, Joe has a razor cell phone. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'm pretty sure I've told you this story, but I met Elena Tall as well. I got a picture with her. I, like, ran up to her because she's, like, this. she is this big in person. And That's I'm very small. So very small. And I ran up to her, and I literally was going to be like, oh, my God. You're so pretty, and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, you're so pretty. And I was like, oh my god, you're so pretty too. <laughs> I was going to cry in this photo. It's fine. <laughs> I'm <just> sobbing. <laughs> All right. So Don't that's my nice claim to pretty, I guess. Um, Alona Tall called me pretty. And you cried. <laughs> I cried about it. It's fine. <laughs> um, okay, so... They have to go save Joe. Obviously. <laughs> so Sam and Dean um, have been in the walls all night searching for Joe, and they have, haven't found her. Dean's phone rings. It's Ellen. She's pissed, and she knows that they lied to her, so she demands that they put Joe on the phone. So Dean, instead of saying anything really, he's just like, Ellen, look, we'll get her back. And she freaks out and is like, I'm on the first flight out, and hangs up the phone. That's fair. So, all the while, Sam is looking over the notes, and he notices that there's a sewer system connected to the building. So, into the sewers they go. So, Joe wakes up to find herself trapped in a tight space when she turns on her flashlight. She's So, she's in, like, this little, like, rectangular metal box. Like a coffin. Yep, almost. And she can see, like, scratch marks, nail scratch marks, and dried oh. blood on the ceiling right above her. Oh, no. Yep. So, <laughs> yep, essentially, it. yes. And so there's, like, this small area that she can peek out of and see into the room that this little enclosure is, is in. So she peeks out, and she actually ends up seeing Teresa also who ends up peeking out because I think Joe is like hey, hey and who is in another enclosure in this room 
So as she tries to be like, it's okay, like, I'm here to rescue you. <laughs> it's I, I, I got this. <laughs> Holmes walks into the chamber, <laughs> reaches into the cell with his ghost hand through the the metal, whatever, whatever. and like starts to like nope. stroke no! and grab her hair and no! she's so pretty and it's gross. Ugh. Yep. So it then that's another his- reason to cry for being <laughs> told you're pretty. <laughs> 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 Shit. So it cuts to Sam and Dean, and they they find the hatch to the sewer, and they yank it open, and they start climbing down. So we're back to home, still stroking Joe, calling her beautiful, and she has a knife. And it's made, it's her father's knife, so it's pure iron, so she's able to grab it and stab his hand, and ghosts uh, can't handle pure iron. So. Like fairies. Like, uh, yeah. Old timeies. Old timey fairies. So he shouts and vanishes. Teresa asks if Holmes is gone, but a moment later, of course, he Holmes reaches back. into her cell, reaches into Joe's cell again. Knocks the knife away and covers her mouth and starts to suffocate her. So then that Sam and Dean burst into the chamber, fire several rounds of rock salt into his stomach, and he disappears. So Sam and Dean get Joe and Teresa out of their cells. Sam gets Teresa out of the sewer, but Dean says that they have to use Joe's bait because it's the only way that he can think of at this point. Joe hesitantly agrees and sits in the middle of the open chamber, just basically like in fetal position on her bum with her knees to her chest, (laughs) not moving. Holmes suddenly appears behind her, and as he's hovering directly above her, being a fucking creep that he is, Dean fires a shot at the ceiling and it releases a bunch of salt and it falls down, making a perfect ring so that he is now trapped in that chamber and Joe scurries over the salt line. For good measure, they fill the chamber, the sewer with cement so he won't be able to escape. And he's there, like, screaming because he knows he can't escape. Good. Fuck you Fuck forever. Fuck you forever, H.H. Holmes. Yeah. H-H-H-H-H-H-H-H-Holmes. So. Also, the fact that his name wasn't actually H.H. Holmes and then he decided to go by H.H. Holmes makes me the most mad. I think I knew that, but I don't think I knew that his name was such a dweeby name. Such dork name. Right. Unless you're Herman Munster, don't fuck around with that name. Pretty bad. <laughs> Mug it. So, Ellen wasn't joking when she said she was taking the first flight out, so now all four of them have to share the most awkward and silent car ride back to the roadhouse. Oh, no. Yep. <laughs> At one point, Dean's like, let's listen to some music, and it's, she's as cold as <laughs> And Ellen just shuts it off, and Dean's like, and uh, Joe and Sam are in the back, and they just kind of give it to, like the you when you know you're in trouble. Like, oh, but you're no. just like, <laughs> what do we do? Can we, can we push one of us forward a little bit more so that they get more of the brunt of it? Uh, All right, Wait. now last episode that I am going to talk about classic monster, probably one of the saddest episodes aside from spoiler alert when Joe does die. Oh. We're talking about season two, episode seventeen. Heart. I know where you're going. 
This episode opens up in a local bar in San Francisco. Four ladies are sitting at a table having cocktails and laughing. A guy named Nate walks over to one of the girls, Madison, making it very obvious that he's trying to hit on her. He her. He says, hey, you have to go back to the office with me. I need, I need you to do something. <laughs> and, <Me. laughs> and Madison knows that he's drunk and calls him a cab and says she'll see him tomorrow. Looking across the bar, she notices a man staring at her with a sinister look, and she turns away for a second. When she turns back, he's gone, so she excuses herself and walks outside to her car. Nervous and a bit frightened, she gets into her car, sees the man in the corner watching her as she drives off. The next morning, Madison is in the office. She's brewing a pot of coffee, and while she's filling the water, she notices a smear of blood on the door of her boss's office, who is Nate. She walks in and finds Nate lying dead on top of his desk, covered in blood. Bedtime. He can't even pay for your therapy because he's dead. <laughs> I know. Rough, right? Hmm. So, Sam, posing as a local detective investigating the death of Nate Mullins, is at the morgue to check on Nate's body. His body appears to have one massive bite mark running down his chest. Chunk. Chest. (laughs) (laughs) Chunk. Off the record, the medical coroner says that (laughs) if she didn't know any better and she didn't like her job, she'd say that a wolf bit him. But she likes her job, so she's just going with the big dog. Fair enough. Which, you know. Sort of the same. Yeah. She also says that he his heart is missing. Oh, most dogs don't take hearts. No. That's like a very cat thing. <laughs> Cat's like, here, I brought you the heart. I'm like, why? Why, why would you do that? Why, why did you just bring me the organs of this? This is the worst. So, back at the motel, Sam and Dean discuss the case. We, the viewer, find out over the past few months, several women have gone missing, and their bodies turned up later in the bay, all with their hearts missing. Nate is the first male victim, and cops haven't jumped to any official conclusion, but they're looking for a serial killer due to the fact that all the murders occurred during the weeks leading up to the full moon, uh, which is that week, and of course, you know, the whole missing heart thing. Yeah, that's a bad time. I don't think cops would actually be like, it's always the full moon when this happens. I think they'd be like, none of them have hearts. Yeah. This is probably a serial killer. Yeah, well, that's very fair. That's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I feel like I would be very stuck on a missing organ. Yeah. All right, so Sam and Dean um, end up questioning Madison because she was the last person to see him or one of the last people to see him live and the one to discover his body. They ask about the night that he died at the bar, and she mentions that her ex-boyfriend, Kurt, got into his head that she and Nate were involved. He actually ended up showing up at the office at one point and threw a punch at Nate before security could grab him. Um, and that he was the one that showed up at the bar that Nate died. Hmm. So the boys walk out of the building, both agreeing that Kirk could be the werewolf and decide to pay him a visit. Later that evening, Mark Madison hears barking outside. When she goes and look out the window, she sees Kurt standing on the sidewalk staring up at her. She turns away for a second, and when she looks back, he's gone. If I hear barking outside, I want it to be the barking from the Goosebumps theme song. If I hear barking outside, I just want to see a dog. Yeah, both are good. (laughs) I would like to see a dog that is barking specifically to the Goosebumps theme song. Bark, 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 bark. (laughs) Bark, 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 bark. (laughs) Yes. 
<laughs> Shit. The boys break into Coat's apartment, finding nothing uh, to help them. They suddenly hear a screeching noise outside. Looking over the balcony, they find scratch marks running down the fire escape. On the street below, a cop hears a bang. Behind the dumpsters, upon checking out, he's attacked by a werewolf and fires a shot. By time Sam and Dean hear the shot and get downstairs, they find the cop laying dead behind the dumpster covered in blood. Well, oh well. It's a very high-risk occupation. <laughs> for werewolves. Watch out for those werewolves, cops. <laughs> so Sam and Dean go check on Madison. She tells them that she saw Kurt outside her window last night just staring at her. Dean suggests that one of them stay with her to be safe. Madison walks into the other room to grab the address of the body shop that Kurt owns. The boys are fighting over who gets to stay with Madison. They decide on settling it the old-fashioned way with a game of rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> it's like, it better be rock, paper, yeah. scissors. Sam wins because Dean always picks scissors. What a nerd. Of course he fucking does. Later that afternoon, Sam awkwardly sits at Madison's kitchen table, having no idea what to say, like he's never talked to a pretty girl before. Madison offers him to sit on the couch several times. Sam politely refuses. He just sits on the floor. So Madison comes over to the kitchen table with a load of laundry, dumps it all on the table, and starts folding all of her underwear in front of him. (laughs) Uncomfortable, Sam decides to move to the couch. After Madison folds all of her underwear, she joins Sam and turns on the TV. She turns on a soap opera, and at first he doesn't look too pleased, but by the end he admits that he's hooked. Yeah, that's so And also pretty so sure that he is watching All My Children because the names they talk about briefly are Kendall and Ethan. That's funny. <laughs> uh... Sam then questions her as to what she was doing with someone like Kurt, and Madison says that she's really not sure. She just felt too insecure to leave. Then um, one night she got mugged, and it actually turned her life around for the positive. She was able to leave him and do better things for herself. Sam responds to Madison by saying that she's... Um, unusually impressive. And then with ever so perfect timing, Dean calls Sam killing the moment, but he says he's found Kurt and that he's keeping an eye on him and they're at a strip club. Unusually impressive though. Like I get that you think that that's a compliment. No. And even she was like, is that a good thing? (laughs) Like, so you think everybody else sucks? Because that doesn't give me a super, super good... Are you talking that every other girl sucks? <laughs> but it was also like, she was like, I got mugged, and it was like the best thing that ever happened That's, to me. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. That makes a little bit more sense yeah. in context now that I hear it all. Yeah. <laughs> Madison turns in for the night, but Sam's sticking around to keep an eye on her. Dean is standing outside of Kurt's apartment building, loading up his gun. Suddenly... The window of Kurt's apartment shatters from the outside, so he runs upstairs to find a transformed Madison on the floor, hovering over Kurt's dead body. She knocks Dean unconscious, but he manages to leave a mark. He slices her with a knife before she escapes out the window. Dean phones... Phone Sam. (laughs) That was a quote. Phone Sam. He phones Sam. (laughs) To tell him what happened. Sam's confused. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who says that? <laughs> 
So Dean calls Sam because that's what people do. Would they you mind calling Sam for me? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Would you mind telephoning? <laughs> Cellular telephoning Sam for me? <laughs> Sam's confused because he's been with her the whole time. But and after seeing the mark on her arm where Dean nicked her with the silver knife, he realizes that she is a werewolf. So very creepy like. It's one of those where you're like, you understand what he's doing, but if you were her, this would be so scary. So he bolts the lock on her front door and ties her to a chair. At this point, she's hysterical and she's sobbing and she's claiming she has no idea what's going on. Does she know she's a werewolf? And Sam is the one has no idea what's going on and that Sam is the one who needs to get help because he he starts talking about werewolves. Like, (laughs) that's fair. Yep. So Dean arrives and Sam pulls pulls him into, like, the kitchen to talk to him, being like, I don't think Madison knows that she's turning into a werewolf. So Sam is like, okay, let's try to save her rather than killing her, because they know, us like, a silver bullet to the heart will do it, but now he has a connection with the girl, yeah. so... He thinks that he's heard somewhere before that if they kill the werewolf that turned her, they might be able to save her. Ah, like in a lot of horror movies. Yep, so... Maybe that's where. Yep, so though Dean is skeptical, claiming that the werewolf could be anyone at any time at any place at this point, Sam hypothesizes that she was bitten when she got mugged. They ask her about the guy who attacked her and if he bit her and she says yes and they actually go and they look at a scar on the back of her like neck. neck shoulder area sam says that if they can kill the werewolf who bit her they might be able to save her so sam is like i'll stay with madison and dean you can go hunt the werewolf so <laughs> i'm <laughs> i'm going to stay with the pretty girl you go hunt this werewolf <laughs> I mean, fair. That's, That's exactly. what you get for picking scissors, Dean. Shit. <laughs> <Jeez. laughs> don't be so fucking predictable, you it's know. True. But Dean does make Sam promise that if she was to bust loose, that he needs to shoot her. So it's nighttime, and this blonde walking down the street slowly. She is definitely a sex worker. And she hears a howling nearby and starts to run. A werewolf attacks her, but Dean arrives before he can actually kill her, firing three rounds into the werewolf's heart. The blonde gets up, frightened, and runs away. And looking at the werewolf, Dean realizes that it was Glenn, who is Madison's neighbor. Wait, well, yeah. So... Don't trust anyone ever! Literally. But he didn't know he was a werewolf either. Oh, Jesus! Yeah. So, like, he, like, transformed and he was back to being a person and was just, like, shot and dying in the middle of the street in the middle of the night. Like, what the fuck? Yep. That's a very bad time. Yeah, it's a bad time. So, meanwhile, at the apartment, Madison, who was tied to a chair, ends up turning into a werewolf and gets loose. Sam manages to lock her in the closet. He lets her out at sunrise and says that it should all be over and that she'll never see him again, and she walks out. She looks all over the walls of her closet, and, and they're covered in claw marks, and that's mm. when she realizes that Sam and Dean were telling the truth, because she, like, destroyed the inside of her closet. That's a bad time. Yep. Hopefully they took her clothes out first. <laughs> 
I doubt it because she was attacking Sam and oh, he, yeah. she, like, threw oh, him in the no, closet. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> it seemed pretty empty. It seems like she didn't have a, I think it was, like, the hallway closet. Oh. And she lives in California. How many coats do you have? Fair. <laughs> we only have a bunch of coats because we're from Massachusetts. And then we brought all these coats and we were like, we don't need any of these coats. <laughs> I'm ready to use my coats. Well, yeah, we brought our lighter. I was going to say, coats. I'm ready to use my jackets. <laughs> yep, because they don't exist in Massachusetts. <laughs> true. So you can buy them, but you can't use them <laughs> unless you wear a coat over them. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy your beautiful Halloween costume. Oh wait, you have to wear a fucking parka. <laughs> Literally, though, Real that's though. not a joke. One hundred percent. Except on those rare occasions where it's warm out, yes. but that's rare. Next scene brings us to the boys sitting outside Madison's apartment. She comes up to the window and asks what they're still doing there. They tell them that they're pretty sure that she won't turn tonight, but they've got to be 100% sure. So Madison invites them in, saying that they might as well wait it out together. Mm-hmm. The evening passes, the sun rises, and Madison hasn't turned so Madison is thankful. She gives Sam a big hug. Dean's like, I'm gonna go back to the I mean, I'm just gonna, like, scoot just uh, in case you guys need some uh, privacy. And he leaves, and Sam and Madison bang! Yeah, It's like, it's a good scene, too. It's like semi-detailed. It's one of the more, I think it's one of the more detailed sex scenes of Supernatural. LOL. She's super pretty, too. Huh. And there's, like, one scene where it's just, like, his bicep, and I'm like, Shit, the size of my head. All right. Anyways. <laughs> Not mine, though. <laughs> so they do it, as I said. Yo. Giant bicep. Yeah. And other than the kiss that he had with Sarah back in that season one, Sam hasn't had really any connection, emotional or physical, with anyone since Jessica. So it's been well over a year, so it's a big deal for him. I also do talk about his muscles in this sentence. <laughs> Anyways, unfortunately, those warm, fuzzy feelings that we all just had go away real quick, because when Sam awakens in the middle of the night, he finds Madison standing at the window as a werewolf. She hisses slash growls at him and then dives out the window. Sam quickly gets dressed and runs back to the motel to tell Dean, and so they go to try and find her. Do werewolves not just come out on the full moon, or is it just... No, it's a cycle. It's It's the lunar cycle, so it's not just the one night. It's, like, Mm -hmm. a couple of days. Yeah, that's why I was always, like, if I had to be a a thing, a werewolf wouldn't be terrible, because you just have one bad day every now and then. Yeah, it's, it's like, a couple of days. It's Because it's, like, a couple of moons leading up to the full moon that they can also mm-hmm. turn. So it's, Waxing like, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So it's, like, I think it's, is. like, a total of, like, like four or five days or something that they can turn. So they contact everyone they know, and everyone is, like, well, we could have told you that killing the other werewolf wouldn't have cured her. But oh. we also don't know another cure. So Dean is, like, hey... I'm sorry. I feel sorry for her. I feel sorry for you. This sucks, but she is an evil monster that 
goes around killing people every time she turns into a werewolf. Yeah. And we know what needs to be done. So they argue about it a little bit. Um, but then it's interrupted by Sam's phone ringing. It's Madison. She's in a phone booth. She has no clue where she is or how she got there. And her feet are super dirty. Yep. And I don't even know what shirt she's wearing. I think it's Sam's shirt, but I don't know how. I don't know. Whatever. Um, she tells Sam a street and a landmark and the boys go and pick her up and take her back to the apartment. Uh, Madison explains that she doesn't remember anything, and Dean, as gently as he possibly can, does tell her the truth and is like, hey, there's no cure. We don't know how to fix this. So, realizing that there's no way to save her, she picks up the gun that's, like, sitting on the table and hands it to Sam, wanting him to do it for her, needing him to do it for her. So now she and Sam and I am crying. And (laughs) she explains that she doesn't want to die, but she doesn't want to hurt anyone, especially Sam. Tells Sam that he can save her and this is how he can do it. Dean grabs the gun from Sam and Sam walks out of the room, unable to say anything. So Dean follows him being like, hey, look, I got it. I'll do it. But Sam realizes that Madison is right and that this is the only way he can save her and that he has to be the one to do it. So he takes the gun from Dean and tells him just to wait here. Sam walks out of the kitchen, back into the other room with Madison. Dean blankly stares at the wall as a tear rolls down his cheek. There's a moment of silence and then there's a single gunshot. Dean flinches and the episode ends. Oof. <laughs> this is a sad episode. Yeah. <laughs> quick, quick, fa- uh, like fun fact about the fun episode. Fact about this very sad. This episode. Very sad episode. <laughs> this was the first time um, that they had a werewolf in as an actual creature, other than like mentioning it. And they actually don't come back until season eight. And I think they did that because it was like a big moment for Sam, and it was a special thing for Sam. So they didn't, it was a lot of seasons. We're like, hey, you can take a break from werewolves. We don't, let's, you know, let's have you get the the newspaper is like, I'm just not going to see those ones. (laughs) Before I finish up, I do want to mention just a couple more episodes that are really great one-offs because they're super funny, but what makes them great is the humor that's just lost if you're not fucking watching them. So you can't really explain them. Mm Mm-hmm. Season three episode, I wrote season three episode and then didn't write the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's episode five, maybe three, I don't know. I didn't write the episode. It's fine. Cool. Um, called Bad Day at Black Rock. This episode is hilarious. And we also get introduced to Bella, who is a BAMF who steals supernatural artifacts and sells them to the highest bidder. Um, at one point, Dean tries to make her feel bad about it and, and being like, you know, all these awful things happen and this is what you do. How do you sleep at night? And she tells him she sleeps naked rolling around in money. That's fair. <laughs> Not like girl. Fuck. And then season three, episode 11, Mystery Spot, which is sort of has a Groundhog Day effect. Yes. Um, except we just get to see a hundred different ways that Dean dies. Yep. That was, <laughs> so when you said no exit earlier, that was the one the that way I thought. That, yeah. So I was like, oh, this movie. I was like, I don't actually know any episode <laughs> names for any of yep. this. And then yeah. um, 
I haven't gotten to rewatch season four, but season four has some good ones in it. Um, episode, season four, episode five, monster movie goes old school, black and white, happens during Oktoberfest, and there's a shapeshifter that transforms into all, all the different classic yes. monsters from so, movies. That would be me if I was a shapeshifter yep. during October. <laughs> and then season four, episode six, Yellow Fever, another hilarious episode that you have to watch, otherwise it loses all its humor, but it's real fucking funny. There's some good outtakes on that episode, too, that are also hilarious. Oh, outtakes. So, yeah, so season three has a couple of good ones, and same with season four, but by the time season three and season four are around, that's when they get to, like, start to get heavy in the the plot. Religion. But they, but when they throw in those, or their version of religion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know. Whenever they throw in those random monster of the week ones just to lighten everything so up, they're so good. They're always so good. So like, that somebody put them all on a playlist and I'll just watch that I instead know. of the rest of Supernatural yeah, because I don't care about that shit. I just want to watch them being like, oh no, monsters, yeah. how do we deal with this one? Yeah. That yeah. was my favorite X Files. X Files when it's Monster of the Week is the fucking yeah. jam, and when it's like, oh, we're gonna plod through like dealing with, is it aliens or is it the government or is it both? Question mark, question mark, question mark. You can't trust anybody. It's obviously. the Vatican. Oh hey, it turns out <laughs> it's the Vatican and ghosts <laughs> in that one Halloween episode. <laughs> Thank you, X Files. <laughs> All right, everyone, it's late. Hey, for my birthday, please, I would love you to rate, review, subscribe, like us on Instagram, follow us on Instagram. That's what you do on Instagram. Yes, follow us follow. on Instagram at, at, but first let's talk nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> you always are like, you didn't say the at. It's too many ats. Um, <laughs> if you need to hit us up, our email address is, but first let's talk nerdy at yahoo.com. You probably won't get a response though, because it's me who does it. I'm too fucking tired and busy for that. Oh, you should send that email over to me. I'll take <sighs> care of it. It's fine. Anyhow, um, don't email us. Message us on Instagram, I guess. Yeah, I see those more. Yeah. You can find us on Apple iTunes. No. No. <laughs> you can find you us on Apple Podcasts. Podcasts. <laughs> I don't know what Apple iTunes is. Um, Spotify. Spotify, the ESO Network, and also on Podbean. Oh, shit. And, uh, you can never get Apple Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird because it's not like I listen to podcasts every fucking day. I don't know. Um, it's fine and normal. I'm normal. totally fine. Happy birthday to Brittany. Yeah, it's my birthday. And we will see you next Tuesday. Yeah. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.